Hello and welcome to Success Story, the show that tells the very real and personal stories that merge chronic illness and sex. I'm your host, Heather DeKaiser, therapist, wife, and survivor of triple negative breast cancer. Each week on Success Story, you're going to hear from individuals and couples about how illness has affected their relationships and their sex lives. Not only do we talk about just how challenging these effects can be, but we're also going to talk about what the hell we can do about it. Listen along as stories of sexual challenge and tragedy become stories of success. Hello, listeners of Success Story. Welcome today to episode three. I don't have anyone with me today on this episode. Jeremy says hello and he'll be back very, very soon. But for today, it's just me. I just want to thank everyone for listening so far. The support for Success Story has been overwhelming. Whether you've listened to the past episodes, whether you're just starting to listen today, I just really want to thank you for being a part of this. This episode was is really hard to, to do. I've been thinking about it for several weeks now. And to be honest, like part of me didn't really want to do it. It's It's been a beast of a month. We've had family issues going on, medical issues, relationship. We've had professional stuff. Um, then I thought, like, wait a second. Isn't that the point of my podcast? Because it all links back to cancer. So the answer is yes. And as much as I want my life to be quote unquote normal, again, after cancer, it really fucking isn't. So that brings me to my topic for today. Uh, Today's episode, I want to talk about pain. Physical, emotional, mental pain. And I also want to talk about the difference between pain that's visible and pain that's invisible. I'm going through a lot of my one-year anniversaries or one-year marks since all the cancer stuff started, like getting diagnosed and starting treatment and all of that. Um, And a little story time, two weeks ago, I saw a client in my practice for the first time in about 18 months. So I have not seen this client since well before... I was diagnosed with cancer and went through treatment and, you know, she commented on my short hair and how it looked really cute and asked me if, you know, that was a personal decision or what made me cut my hair. And I told her, like, actually, I went through chemo and um, I had breast cancer and I've I'm clear now. I'm I'm all good. Um, but this is my hair growing back since February and and March. And um, she made the comment like, "Oh, well, you'd never even know you were sick. You just real, you know, look cute with short hair." And I had two thoughts. Like one, good. I kind of like that people can't tell that I was sick because I remember what I looked like when I was sick, and that wasn't pretty. Uh, But then two, my second thought was, I bet the world thinks I'm good now. And in a lot of ways, I am good. You know, a lot of visible ways. 
And then, like, to be honest, and part of what I'm going to talk about today is I'm not good in a lot of invisible ways. You know, just a couple of examples, like, I can finally do the stairs in my house again. I couldn't do those back in September and January. But going up and down stairs, like, hurts really bad, especially my knees. And... You know, I feel awake most of the time and I can go back to drinking caffeine, but I still struggle with migraines 24-7, especially if I don't take my Topamax. Um, I continued to drive through chemo and drive now, but I'm really hesitant to drive at night in particular because chemo has made my eyes a little bit worse. For those people who know me, my eyes were pretty bad before, and I wanted to deny that for a long time. Uh, but driving at night is hard because chemo, you know, did a number on them, on my eyes. Um, I, I can work out, but I prefer to do fast-paced workouts because it helps me ignore the pain and not focus on it. My therapist encouraged me to try some yoga and do some breathing and that was fine and I see the value in that but it was too slow like the pain was just too intense and I got so frustrated and I stopped doing that um and a couple of weeks ago some of you know this and some of you don't but um Jeremy and I had a bit of a scare so he went to the hospital for a kidney and bladder infection a while ago now um, and when they were scanning him his lungs and and his um, abdomen they found a couple of masses so there's one on his kidney one um, in his lung and I seriously have never prayed so hard in my life for somebody to be okay. I would say that I prayed harder for Jeremy to be okay than I did for my cancer to go away when I had it. Um, and he had an MRI and a CT scan with contrast and all that a couple of weeks ago. Um, and he's he's been cleared it's, it's not cancer. They look like cysts and they're gonna, you know, watch them and he's gonna get checked every three to six months or so and just make sure that he's still doing okay. Um, but like Jeremy had to be okay. And I say that for mainly the reason that if he was sick, like I damn well know, I would never be as good at taking care of him as he was at taking care of me during cancer. Like I'm good at two things, like work hard and work harder. That's kind of what I know. And I'll talk about that a little bit more later on too, but I just, I, I prayed so hard for him to be cleared. And that's one of the reasons why I didn't get this episode um, recorded and uploaded a couple of weeks ago is just because we were dealing with all that. and. Like I mentioned a little bit ago, I'm going through like these one year anniversary marks of cancer stuff. 
like June 26th was the one year anniversary of my diagnosis. Early July was the one year anniversary of my MRI that showed my tumor was about five and a half centimeters, so a lot bigger than what we originally thought. July 15th was the one year anniversary of my sentinel lymph node biopsy um, to find out that my cancer had not yet spread to my lymph nodes, but that they were inflamed and to have my chemo port put in my chest for the infusions I did. And then July 21st was the one year anniversary of my chemo starting. And funny enough, that's the same day that Jeremy had his MRI and CT scan to be checked for cancer. And I don't, I mean, that's either poetic or messed up or we can call it a few different things probably, but I just had a feeling he was going to be okay. And we did get the all clear and that's wonderful news. And we breathed many, many sides of relief for that. Um, but all of these dates are really important just because they're bringing up what I've realized is pain. Like some of it's fear, some of it's anxiety, stress, depression, but it is pain and some of it's visible and that I talk about it and you know Jared can tell when I have a migraine and workouts are a struggle yes but so much of it is invisible in that nobody does know and I don't talk about a lot of it um so physical emotional and mental pain like physically the illness for me was kind of a bell curve. Um, if you guys know what that looks like, like in the beginning, found my lump, then I had my scans to see just how bad it was. I got my diagnosis. I started chemo, uh, which wasn't too bad in the beginning. Like it sucked and chemo is cumulative. So it got worse as, as time went on. And by the end of chemo, like I was pretty much unrecognizable. Um, but then at the end of December, I had my surgery, um, and then I did have radiation all the way through March, but once I was going through radiation, like I did kind of start to get my energy back. My hair started to grow back after losing it all from chemo. And so all of that treatment, like physically, you know, I kind of like ramped up on the top of the curve and then I started to kind of come back down. And no one has ever really asked me like what the curves of pain, suffering, emotion, mentality were and like by would they, you know, physically people watched me get sick, like they could tell. Emotionally, I'm pretty good at hiding that shit. While some of us don't hide it, I think a majority of us hide our emotional and mental pain and judge it and assume it's wrong or whatever. Uh, seek pleasure and avoid pain. Isn't that what we're taught over and over again? Emotional pain looked kind of the opposite of the bell curve for me. Like getting my diagnosis sucked and I was ramped up immediately. Like I was at the top. Life was about to change. There were so many unknowns. I had no idea what to expect. So I was really heightened emotionally. 
And then treatment started, and honestly, I relaxed a little bit because I took comfort in some fucked up way that I was actively fighting my disease, and I had a fucking army behind me. I was getting messages from people regularly, people that I hadn't talked to in years, from grade school and college even. People were sending me gifts and things to make me more comfortable through chemo. I was getting cards and well wishes. I had my medical team, which was made up of empty nine people. And I had many medical visits with that team every week. And on and on and on. Um, even my parents moved out here to Colorado and lived in their camper in my driveway for seven months to help get me through chemo. My brothers visited me, one before chemo started and one during. I was able to see my chemo friends every week. And again, just on and on and on, I had this army behind me. And that attention was hard, honestly, because it all was a reminder of cancer and that I was sick and ugly and it hurt and life was forever changed. So it was all good and hard and that felt messed up because like how can you want support and not want it at the same time? But here's the next fucked up part. Then treatment ended recently in March and I was doing okay but emotionally and mentally, I ramped back up and sort of like went a little downhill emotionally again because all of a sudden, that army was gone. Like my doctor appointment slowed to, you know, once a week to every few weeks. Wasn't getting cards anymore. Uh, my parents packed up their camper and went back to Green Bay. They left. Um, fewer messages from people and people now think like you're good right and that honestly has been such a loss I don't have medications to take or chemo pills or anything now to prevent recurrence for my type of cancer like I live my life that's that and I thought once treatment ended I'd have less reminders of cancer because I'd look less sick and I'd get my energy back and I'd go back to work more full time and life would get a new normal. And being cancer free is a blessing, but it's not a new normal. Now I'm just told I look great with short hair and you can't tell it was ever sick. It's my brain and emotion and the invisible pain that I can't forget. Physically, I'm in pain 24-7. I live with that. But I struggle with confidence every day still. I started therapy a few months back. Shout out to Jayla. Fantastic. I'm starting to realize the cancer part of Heather felt and feels unlovable. And the survivor part of Heather is so scared of being a disappointment to my husband, my sister, my parents, brothers, my friends, you know, who's not on my list, me. 
And it's not that I'm not afraid of not disappointing myself. I'm still figuring out who I am at the end of all those roles. There isn't enough of a me left to disappoint right now. And that's emotional pain to work through. And I'm working through it. Now, this isn't how I feel all the time. Like, just sometimes. I love a lot of parts of me. Like, I work hard. I like to gather info. I like cutting grass. Although recently I was tormented by a spider and bit nine times, so I probably won't do that shit again. Um, I like washing dishes. I used to remember mom let me play in the dishwater as a kid. She'd bring my step stool to the sink and I'd play in the water until she'd tell me that the water was getting too cold. Um, I think I'm empathetic. I believe in being good to people. I believe in practicing grace over justice. Proud of my beliefs. Like, chair likes white claw, but truly punches are where it's at. I also believe I have good priorities, even if they're in the wrong fucking order at times. And I also believe I don't have a future with myself if I don't treat me right in the present. Now, this is where the mental pain roller coaster gets me. I think a lot of you can relate to this part. I want you to be honest in the next question I'm about to ask. How many of you have lived a lie to hide pain? How many of you have posted a pic on social media to show a highlight reel, but you just fought with your spouse before or after the pic you posted? Or what about sent a text to a friend with happy emojis and hearts while you're crying on your closet floor? Yeah, so you've guessed it. I've I've done that. What about phoned a friend, asked for help, but then chickened out and just said you're fine? How many of you have done your makeup two or three times for one event because you had to cover tears or sadness? What about let somebody cross your boundary over and over again because you're not sure where the line is between hoping they'll change and acceptance that they just won't? Now, the next few are probably specific to illness and cancer um, in living a lie to hide pain. How many of you have been in pain, but you stayed out with friends an extra two hours, but paid for it for the next two days? Or wrote a social media post about learning something positive from cancer, and then five minutes later told yourself you're fucking weak? Or canceled plans because you're sick of looking at pretty people with hair when you're bald and bloated like a damn puffer fish that's just eaten a lot of whatever puffer fish need or you're not quite sure if you're just going to shit yourself and then you lied about it I know I'll get some pushback fake it till you make it type of talk each of us has to decide if hiding our pain is helpful or unhelpful to our lives it's our own individual decision here's what I know about hiding pain and cancer it was unhelpful to me my marriage my relationships And here are some more examples that I know people with chronic illness understand. And people struggle to ask for help. There's a lot in common among pain, whether you've gone through illness and cancer or not. So ever since the beginning of our relationship, Jeremy rubs me to sleep. He does this because I used to struggle really bad with nightmares and just I struggle with sleep and insomnia in general. And so this is something that he does for me. During chemo, 
There were a lot of nights when I would wait for Jeremy to rub me to sleep or he would think I was sleeping and I'd wait for him to leave my room and I would get up and I would crawl to my closet floor and I would cry. Now that was mostly during weeks like 10 to 22 of chemo. It wasn't every night, but those that's just, you know, when it like got really bad and and Jeremy and I have talked since then and those nights Jer would leave my room and he would cry, afraid that he was going to come and find me dead the next morning. During chemo, we didn't sleep in the same bed a lot. Um, it was actually recommended that the first several nights after my chemo, we didn't sleep together because I was considered toxic to him. I was struggling with such bad hot flashes and night sweats that I would soak through the sheets and my mattress pad and clothes and all of that and the rest of chemo I would just toss and turn because of hot flashes and nightmares and things like that so Jeremy and I actually just found it more helpful for him working wise and stuff to just sleep in a different bedroom so that he could get good quality of sleep and and I wouldn't keep him up and so that's that's why he would leave the room and um anyway I also would wake up several times a night to change my clothes because of the night sweats and I'd have to use the bathroom and again weeks like 10 to 22 of chemo really sucked so I would get up to go to the bathroom I would study myself I'd kind of wait for a window where I was fairly certain I wouldn't pass out I would get to the bathroom I would sit down and peeing on chemo takes a while at least it did for me Taxol and carboplatin weren't as bad, but adriamycin, well, destroyed all of the inner linings in my body, so it really hurt to use the bathroom. So I'd be sitting there for a while, and I would have to keep telling myself, my weak self, over and over again, don't let your arms rest on your legs. Don't let your arms rest on your legs, because if I did, I was often too weak to get up right away, and I'd be sitting there for a while. And uh, most of the time, I could keep myself sitting straight up. But sometimes, man, my arms would rest on my legs as I'm internally yelling, fuck no, and I would be there a while. That was my mental pain. And I had neuropathy in my fingers really bad during the first part of chemo, like weeks eight through 15, during Taxol neuropathy, um, is a side effect. You can get it in your fingers and toes mostly. And my toes were good, but I got it really bad in my fingers. And it felt like a cross between burning my fingers on a hot pan and slamming them in the door or in a door at the same time. And so I needed a lot of help opening things, gripping things, cutting food, etc. Well, I would wait until I was alone in like the kitchen or room and I'd go around trying to pull open drawers or open bottles or whatever to prove that I could do it. I would refuse to have Jeremy or my mom or my sister help me dress because of pride, even though it hurt really, really bad to pull my own pants up, to go to the bathroom, to wipe myself but I didn't want to ask somebody else to help me with those things because, well, talk about humility. Maybe it was stubbornness, stupidity, whatever we call it. 
it was hiding. And I've got plenty more examples of this hiding. And according to Jayla, my therapist, I'm super good at it. (laughs) How many of you are super good at it? Go ahead, raise your hand. Put that hand on your heart. I won't see because podcast. I recently saw this quote and I talk about this a lot with my clients. Communication is hard. Not communicating is hard. Choose your hard. And so I likened it to intimacy. Being intimate is hard. Not being intimate is hard. Choose your hard. And then I likened it to the visibility thing. Being visible is hard. Being invisible is hard. Choose your hard. The problem with being invisible is that we can keep the pain from the outside. We can't really hide it from our insides. And during cancer and during illness, we hide a lot of pain, don't we? I know I hid a lot of pain from my dad because I hated seeing him tear up and cry when he'd hug me and ask me how I am every morning. He'd get up and he'd have coffee with me. And it was fun in a lot of ways, though, because my dad ended up telling me a lot of stories about his childhood and in his early 20s that I'd never heard before. And that was super cool. But I also hid a lot of pain from Jeremy, my mom, my brothers. Not as much from Riss because I I knew that, you know, she'd meet me where I was at and just accept me the way that I was. But even it was hard to admit it to her sometimes. I have a friend, I'll call her A, and sometimes when I would tell her like what I was going through, she would just get tears in her eyes when something, you know, like sad would come up. And I admire her for that because she's just so real about it. Like her emotion just comes and I'm often choking it back. But anyway, so my family and I, we kept our pain invisible from each other. And you know what that did? Well, it created more fucking pain, honestly. It just meant it happened alone for us. I felt so alone at times during cancer, not always because of hiding or pain. I mean, that's, you know, the topic now of this podcast, so I'm focusing on it. But I think everyone can relate to aloneness and everyone can relate to pain. What not everyone can relate to is healing from pain or getting through it. We are all in different stages of that. Sometimes I go through multiple stages all in one day feel kind of like I have multiple personalities you know it's like when you're feeling cynical and you're watching a movie and they say the whole one-liner of like you complete me and you yell at the tv like shut up love does not even exist and then you realize you said that out loud and your husband is staring at you and you're like love you that came out wrong and then 20 minutes later like there's a scene where someone gets incorrect change at a grocery store and you're like in tears asking why life is so unfair I'm like that a lot of days. Ask Jer how fun that is. Since chemo, like I have almost no estrogen, but another hormone thinks I'm ovulating and another thinks I'm in menopause. So basically, I'm trying to put mascara on eyelashes that have fallen out for the third time now. They don't exist. 
I wonder why my cat won't hug me back, and the other day, I cut into a seedless watermelon, found seeds, and asked Jeremy why he lied to me. So, that's how my days go. It's like, it's kind of like asking the number B what color it smells like. Anyway, fun fact. When it comes to physical, emotional, and mental pain, I'm always curious to know which one is worse for people, and not like in a sadistic or masochistic kind of fucked up way, but in a like, I want to know I'm not alone kind of a way. I think a lot of it depends on which is most persistent, or maybe it depends on having support, or if others can relate to it. For me, physical pain is the least amount of bad. Like, it comes and it goes, it keeps me present, and it keeps me interacting with the world. Emotional pain sucks, but I'm learning to deal with it. It's the mental pain that feels torturous. Like, have any of you ridden the high roller in Vegas? It's basically a giant Ferris wheel, but you get in like these big bubbles with a bunch of people you don't know, and you spend 30 minutes going up above the cityscape of Vegas, and then you come back down the other side. Well, I did that recently with friends, and while I used to love heights before chemo, now they suck, like my equilibrium is just off. And this time on the high roller, it was the perfect analogy of mental pain of cancer. Like, you feel weightless and heavy all at the same time. You have butterflies and dizziness, but it never goes away. You feel like you're in a fishbowl. Everything is so loud and overwhelming and yet so far away. Like, you're interacting with people, and yet when you go towards them, you hit the sides of the fishbowl, and you can never really reach them or they you. You just want to be normal and free and have a good time and be like them, and yet you can't shed the straitjacket. You scream and no one looks up, and that's the world you wake up in and live in and go to bed in and dream in. Now, I want to be clear. like This is a metaphor for my inner and outer worlds and not a reflection of how people in my life are actually treating me, so no one better start treating me differently. I just feel like that needed to be said. Anyway, when I reflect on the last year of cancer, diagnosis, treatment, I realize how much I've been going, not getting. I tell people I continued to work through chemo and cancer didn't stop me and treatment didn't hold me back. And I think that way of thinking is actually really harmful. See, I didn't need something to do. I needed to not be a disappointment. Forcing myself to keep going and not let chemo be debilitating at times, I think kept my body from getting some of what it needed, like rest, a good cry, starting therapy sooner than I did. We need to stop pushing the fake it till you make it, don't let your illness stop you mentality. We need to stop the push through the pain preaching. And I'm talking mental, emotional, and physical pain. And sometimes, like, it's okay. I get it. Hello, giving birth. But sometimes it's not. Like, Simone Biles, 
withdrawing from several events in the Olympics is a great example. People really wanted something visible to blame her dropping out on, right? There were a ton of negative comments when she said it wasn't due to a physical injury. They would say that she didn't have what it took to represent the U.S. in gymnastics, never mind the other U.S. gymnasts performed really well and owned that shit. A lot of hype went into Simone's perceived underperformance. My point is we are all going through things people cannot see. Invisible wounds. Turns out Simone Biles was actually also trying to deal with the fact that her aunt passed away. Now, when people lash out, we assume something is wrong with them. When people smile, we assume things are good. And no, when people smile, we can't just start assuming, gosh, what's wrong with them? But if we just got in the habit of considering that people are going through things we can't see, what if we consider that we don't have to tell people to just suck it up? Maybe chemo can stop us for a few days. Maybe pain is debilitating at times and we can't just keep going. And maybe the message we could be teaching is that everyone can learn to make good, healthy decisions for themselves instead of telling everyone what the healthy, right choice is that they should be making. Maybe rather than intimidate, we could empower. Instead of judging, we could encourage. I sort of think judging our own pain only works if we know what purpose or outcome it already has in our life. Like with my cancer pain, I didn't let myself rest enough because I'd already judged myself as a disappointment. But had I encouraged myself to rest and let that be okay, I'd have been healing. So I guess my message is this. Pain exists. It's physical, emotional, and mental. It's visible. It's invisible. Visible pain can be easier to explain and easier to acknowledge. Illness, cancer, and treatment often leads to a lot of invisible wounds, and society has taught us to judge them well. We can continue to judge pain and just fake it till we make it, or instead of just continuing to keep going, we can take a break, encourage ourselves to get the support we need, heal our bodies and minds together. No one should ever have to experience pain all alone, visible or invisible. Cancer sucks. Treatment is necessary, but it can suck too. I know all of you listening have your aches and pains. And so I want this to be your reminder that you are not alone. So this is just a little window into my thoughts, my two cents, my food for thought on physical, emotional, and mental pain, the invisible, invisible wounds that we carry and what they can mean to us. And what we do or not do with them, I think, makes all the difference. And while the individual decision whether or not we reach out to somebody for help or 
let somebody know about our pain or we decide to slow down in our lives or whatever is our own. I also want us to remember that the people around us are going through things too. And we may not always get it. We may not always agree with it. We may not always understand it. But we need to remember that people have a right to go through things and to have things affect them. And we can't tell people how their own pain should affect them or what they should or should not push through. There were times during cancer and treatment that I did take it easy. And my mom often said, let me make your lunch. I'm here. That's what I'm here for. Let me help you. And she would take me to the ER. And she would just laugh with me. And my my dad would tell me those stories. And I'd get tears in my eyes because I didn't know my dad back then. And I got to know a new part of him while I was going through cancer. And I don't know that I ever would have gotten to know those parts of him had he not lived with me for seven months helping me get through cancer. So there are a lot of good things and a lot of good lessons I can take from my journey. Do I like want to go through it again and be like, teach me more? Fuck no. Absolutely not. But I can look through the rose-colored glasses of pain won't stop me. Or I can say, no, pain will stop me sometimes. I'm still healing. I'm still getting through things. I do still need to walk slower than everybody. I'm still getting my endurance back. I still can't lift weights. But I can cuddle with my dogs and I can do this podcast and hopefully touch someone else's life in certain ways. You know what I mean? I hope this has been helpful. I really hope that because all of us can relate to pain in some way that we can all get something from this. And I just really appreciate, again, you all listening to success story and I hope this reminds you that you can make your own decision about what you're going through and what you can do about it and if you need to push through then do that and if you need to stop and take a break then do that I'm here with you I go through it too we all do And I just want to say thanks again for listening. Until next time. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Success Story. We all know someone or are that someone who has been affected sexually because of illness and treatment. In the coming episodes, you will learn that there are ways to overcome and deal with these effects and still experience a life full of sexiness. Stay tuned for our next episode. And until then, keep creating your own success story.